your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Josh I'm And I'm Thomas Welch. And we got a fun late night episode for you guys. Uh, you guys will probably be listening to this, watching this tomorrow, Tuesday. But right now it is 12.42 a.m. my time, 11.42 p.m. Tommy's time. Probably the latest we've ever recorded in like two years of doing this. Uh, but Tommy was at the game. Uh, so that's why. Thanks a lot, Tommy. Um, <laughs> getting us a firsthand account of the Blues 5-3 victory over division rival Nashville Predators. Uh, really strong victory there, 14th come from behind win of the season. Lots to talk about. We're going to be going into that. Ivan Barbashev's career season uh, and all that and more. But first, want to thank everyone out there for making Locked On Blues your first listen every day. We are free and available on all podcast platforms. All right, Tommy. So before we get into uh, the individual performances of this game, because I know there's a couple we both want to highlight, uh, let's just talk about it as as a whole. You know, Nashville coming into town. Division rival, Chris Pronger night, uh, lots of expectations on the St. Louis Blues. And they started out by uh, honoring one of the, I guess, weaker parts of his legacy in his penalty taking uh, acumen by taking a bunch of penalties and going down 2-0 early. Um, I'm, I'm going to admit I was a little concerned. However, I got in the car to drive home from work uh, with a 2-0 deficit. Said, I'm not even going to listen to the game. I'm bitter. I'm salty. I don't want to listen to them get blown out. Uh, got home, checked my phone. Two to two. So, what do you like? What do you see? You had the perfect view uh, from the from the balcony. What, what happened? How'd the Blues come back from this deficit? I did have a perfect view. Uh, compliments of Dan Riley for hooking us up with the ticket. So, appreciate you if you're listening. But, uh, yeah, we were at, like, center ice. It was, like, level 300. So, it was, like, I mean, we were pretty solid in terms of where we were sitting. But um, I think the ceremony and everything that went on with Chris Pronger and honoring him, uh, it was just cool to be there. I had to go straight there after work, brought a change of clothes, uh, met Leah all the way down there, tried to fly by the seat of our pants pretty much to get down there by six because the game was at seven, obviously. The ceremony started at six, uh, and we got there just in time uh, to hear all these greats, Al McInnes, uh, and Chris Kerber always does a great, do- a great job as MC of these things. Uh, so to listen to all of the accolades that Chris Pronger compiled throughout his career, which by the way, uh, he's the only defenseman since Bobby Orr to win the Hart Trophy, which is absolutely insane. I think Norse in the same season. So uh, the career that this guy put together, what he means to the, not only the city of St. Louis and the St. Louis Blues, but the fabric of St. Louis hockey, uh, I, I think speaks dividends to the kind of impact and the player that he was. Uh, and I feel like everyone that talked about him talked about how much he hated to lose. And I think, uh, nowadays, I don't know if, if that gets lost as much, but there's not the same, I don't know if there's the same intensity with a lot of guys like you play, obviously if if you, if you're good at hockey and you can make a lot of money doing it, you should play. Right. But I think there's uh, a competitive factor to some guys and not so competitive factor to other guys and other guys want to go out there and like, uh, play against their friends and like, I don't know, there's different levels to it. And I think uh, the the level that Chris Pronger had when he played uh, is unparalleled by a lot of people in the league now and a lot of people in the league then. Uh, he was a 
dominant force in every facet of the game, whether it was physicality, whether it was skill, uh, whether it was leadership, uh, and being a captain of the Blues is prime example of that. So uh, to be there to witness his jersey going up into the rafters uh, and now bookending. I think he was talking about it, bookending the rafters with Al McKinnis once again. Uh, they're going to be flying <laughs> flying above the ice now instead of flying around on the ice. So uh, I, that was really cool to see for me. But uh, the, like you said, the Blues didn't come out strong. I, I want to say I want to say I did have I did have one one complaint um, from the ceremony. Not necessarily his fault, more like NHL social media fault. I, I'm, so I'm doing uh, out driving for my job, delivering pizzas. I know important work. Um, get a notification on my phone. Chris Pronger pounds a beer during a ceremony. I'm like, oh, heck yeah. This is going to be awesome to watch. Click on the video. He opens up a Bud Light, takes a sip, and closes it back up. Still cool, though. Come on, NHL. You can't. You can't. I was expecting, with a headline like that, I was expecting some Stone Cold Steve Austin type. Like, That's fair. It's not, no no knock to him, you know, because I would have been pretty shocked if he, but but if you're going to say Chris Pronger pounds a beer, I'm expecting some some accurate video representing that. Not Chris Pronger lightly sips a beer and waves to the crowd. There were that's it though. One, were, that's the one complaint. There were fans, and they'll remain unnamed for uh, <clears throat> uh, legal reasons. Um, there were some fans that I heard. I don't know if I saw them or not, or they were sitting next to me, or they might have been me. Uh, there were some fans that <laughs> were cheering for him to chug the whole thing. I don't know how many. I don't know who, but I can confirm that was the case. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, I well, what he did was he he toasted like the fans, um, and then took a sip and and like the he was saying thank you guys for like booing me when I first got here. Uh, it made me a better hockey player because uh, the Shanahan trade, obviously, crowd favorite with Mike Keenan and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it was it was just super cool to see. But like I said, the Blues not come out strong in the first period. I think their first shot of the period came with like five minutes left and it was on a penalty kill uh, from, shot like from our, one at one point. yeah, from our baseline. <laughs> Someone shot it all the way down the ice and it hit the goalie. So they counted as a shot. Was that really what it was? Yeah. It was like 14 to one at that point. Um, and then I think by the end of the second period, it was like 16 to 14 shots in favor of the Preds or something ridiculous. So the booze came out in the second period, picked it up and obviously came away with the victory. But I think the main takeaway from this that we need to talk about is one, you weren't relying on scoring production from Jordan Kyrie, Robert Thomas, uh, and and that duo and and the line that they were rolling with Vladimir Tarasenko. So as much as we love to see production from them, uh, you can't rely on just one line every game. So uh, I think the Blues have been kind of not really throwing lines in a blender, but trying to see like with that top with that top line and that number one li- number one slot line i mean we have three first lines but that number one slot they they've been trying to get Ryan O'Reilly going and see like who they can pair with him to see uh get offensive production from him because he hasn't really been having the offensive production season that we expect from him uh lo and behold four point night for Barbashev four point night for Braden Shen and a three point night for Ryan O'Reilly they were responsible of the 15 points uh accrued in this game uh, in terms of assists and goals and everything, that line was responsible for 11 of them. So I I think we're going to see a lot of that going forward. Obviously, the staple of Vladdy, Kairou, and Thomas. Uh, and then maybe we'll start solidifying uh, the bottom six. Who knows? Yeah. 
Um, definitely needs to go into each one of those guys individually, Barbashev, Shen, Ryan O'Reilly. Um, and I also want to talk about a, a very interesting fun fact that Jeremy Rutherford tweeted out about the Blues' performances in second periods this season, especially compared to that of last season. Uh, so stick around to hear that, and I'll talk about Barbashev and them uh, in the second and third segment. But first, I wanted to give a shout-out to our good friends over at Built Bar, it's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. You want to be healthy, but it just gets so boring. By week three, you're thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Good news, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. And they're healthy. Like I said, most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams uh, or four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious built bar, you can almost count it as a workout. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKS15, you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at built.com. We'll be right back. All right, Tommy. So I mentioned before the break about a fun fact coming from yours, or not yours truly, but uh, our favorite uh, local reporter, Jeremy Rutherford, always coming in with the uh, the stats and information. Um, and he tweets out, the Blues lead the NHL with 56 goals in the second period this season, and they've given up the fifth fewest in 31. So the Blues have scored 56 second period goals this season. Um through 38 games, 37 games, I forget, um, whatever, less than half of his NHL season. Tommy, I have a question for you. I don't know if you've seen the tweet. Um, if you had to guess, how many second period goals did the Blues score in the entirety of last season? Again, not a full 82-game season, but still significantly more than 38 games like they've played now. How many did we score this year, you said? 56? 56 so far. I'm, I'll say like 54 all of last season, and we've already passed it. So the Blues this season are outscoring opponents 56 to 31 in the second period, Mm -hmm. which is by itself an astronomical differential. In 2020-2021, the Blues were outscored 63-52 in the second period. I was too off. So you were too off. The Blues have already surpassed their uh, goal total in the second period through less than half the season this year. Um, And not only that, they are blowing teams out out of the water in the second period, outscoring opponents by 25 goals. Um, it's, it's, I think that goes to Craig Ruby's mentality and coaching staff and sort of treating the game like, like a book almost like you got the beginning, middle and end, you know, beginning is the first period. You're kind of feeling the other team out, seeing what's seeing, what's going to work, what's not going to work. Second period, you know, you're executing those changes and third period, you're wrapping it up. And it seems like the blues are doing a good job of that. Uh, sorry. If you're watching the YouTube right now, you probably saw my shocked response, and that's because yeah, I, did. I am. I did. I'm looking at the Blues stats page, um, <clears throat> and uh, I believe it, I, it's updated uh, as of tonight. So all the points accrued and everything. Ryan O'Reilly is slowly but surely making his way uh, up the offensive production chart. He's getting up there in points with the two goals scored tonight. 
Your sole leader for goals on the team is Ivan Barbashev with 15, above Jordan Cairo and above Vladimir Tarasenko. You don't Tarasenko. even read my tweets. I, I had that covered like hours ago, Tommy. Where have you been? At the game <laughs> and driving. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> That's impressive as hell, though, and I think I didn't know. I didn't know you. I didn't know that you didn't know that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. But I, I, I so, tweeted out exactly that. I said yeah, I did not impressive. have Ivan Barbashev leading the team in goals on my bingo card this year. I don't think anyone would have. I think if you ask me to predict at the beginning of the season who would, maybe he won't finish the year leading in goals. But if you came out the bait and said, "Hey, thirty-eight games in the season, who's going to be leading the Blues in goals? Not just leading the goal, Blues in goals." 15 goals in less than half a season. Who, who's that going to be? I would have said Tarasenko, uh, Bushnevich, O'Reilly, Perron, Kairou, Thomas, Shen. That's seven guys. Uh, who am I forgetting? That probably would have been more likely to be there. I don't know. Regardless, Ivan Barbashev might not have even been in the top 10 of guys I would have expected to lead the team in goals at the beginning of the year. Uh, but yet, here we are. Uh, with him having a career high in goals, assists, points, first in the team in goals, fourth in the team in points. And like you said, what is it about? What is it about his game this year? And like you said, that brings us perfectly into our next segment. Thirty-eight games played, right? So he's he's going to break twenty. And I think when you, when, you, when you start talking about a player getting over the cusp of twenty goals, it's like I don't know the players that I think of when I think of a 20 goal scorer compared to like a 10 or 15 goal scorer are, are like night and day, right. In terms of skill, yeah. in terms of what they bring to a team. And I think like that perfectly encapsulates what we're seeing from Barbashev this year. I mean, <laughs> that this guy scored four points on the night, two goals, two assists, and he probably led the team in hits. I don't have a, the numbers in front of me, but the dude out. was banging bodies left and right. And, the Predators were playing a physical game and like Bortuzzo. You are, uh, you are almost correct. Bortuzzo, the guy you just said, yeah. had six. Bortuzzo uh, was Barbara running around. Three. No one else had more than that. Yeah. And I think those two probably laid the biggest hits of the night too. So Bortuzzo's running around, uh, had a penalty for kneeing. I don't think I've ever heard that called before in my life, but I guess that's a thing um, on who was it? Yossi, I believe, which he did. I mean, he did stick his leg out. So it, it is a penalty. I've just never heard of knee before, but um, dude, the way it's just, it's almost like, like with Chris Pronger, how uh, he is so lethal in, in every zone and he brings physicality to the team and he'll stick up for all of his teammates while also going out there and filling up the stat sheet. I feel like Obviously, those are big shoes to fill when you're throwing Barbashev in the same conversation as Chris Pronger. But it's a similar um, impact that he has on this team because he can get it going by a big hit or by like scrapping somebody. I don't know if he's, I don't know if I've seen him fight before, but he definitely gets in the dust ups like after the goalie freezes the puck. Um, he can fill the net. He can pass the puck and lead into assists. So he's really a jack of all trades for this team. Uh, and you have to think about, like if you asked me two years ago or like three years ago, uh, if if like Ivan Barbashev would be a trade target for other teams and uh, would Doug Armstrong be willing to part with him, I'd probably say yes, just because he was like a fourth liner in the role that he was playing. Uh, and Oscar Sundquist exists and 
all those things at the price, like obviously he's not going to go for nothing, but if the price was there, I'd say yes. I don't know if you can move Ivan Barbashev at all now, regardless of who, like Chikrin, no shot. He's not in that trade. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely uh, came out of nowhere. Um, and is probably going to be due for a big payday at the end of next season. So add Ivan Barbashev to the list of big names that the Blues have to sign um, after the end of this following season. Uh, but that is a conversation for another day. Uh, but yeah, it, it's like you said, um, you said two years ago, you know, we thought we kind of had Ivan Barbashev figured out. Um which maybe is a testament to just how good he was early in his career at the role that the Blues asked him to fill because, you know, he was 21, 22, 23, you know, making a name for himself as a fourth, third or fourth line kind of grinder two-way guy. Um, and, you know, no complaints, uh, no drama, um, you know, just consistent, solid hockey from him. And I feel like he kind of flew under the radar. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a barbershop, great depth guy. Um but, you know, it's it's not always like a Jordan Cairo or Robert Thomas where they, they spend a lot of time in the AHL um, and all of a sudden they come up and they produce offensively. You know, there are different routes for, for different players. And I think Barubi talked about that um, in the postgame. Uh, you know, not every player progresses the same. And Ivan Barbashev comes in and had, you know, I guess 50% of his game figured out in his defense and his effort um, and all that. Um, and we kind of assumed, oh, yeah, this is his peak which would still have been great. You know, he's been a really good player for the St. Louis Blues over his career. Um, and then all of a sudden he comes in this year. Um, Ruby says, hey, you know, I'm going to give you a little more freedom offensively. I'm going to put you on the power play. Uh, I'm going to put you up with some, uh, some, you know, really skilled offensive players. Uh, and sure enough, he rises to the occasion and is our one of our top point producers and is, score, you know, getting those points in different ways. He's, he's taking wrist shots. He's deflections, rebounds. He can do it all. Yeah, and I think that's why he's so important to the team and why, like when you think of Blues hockey now, it's almost like there's a lot of people's names that come to mind. Braden Shen, for example, who also had a pretty good night, all things considered. So I, I feel like we need to talk about him too because I think he said in the post-game press conference that uh, he hasn't played a lot of hockey this year. So he felt like he was missing out on watching from the sidelines the boys going to work so he wanted to go to work tonight and that's absolutely what he did uh was easily the best player on the ice i think from both teams yes yeah, we'll get into uh we'll get into Braden shen's performance ryan o'reilly's performance and then wrap up all of today's thoughts uh in the third segment but first i want to give a shout out to bet online now if you were lucky you would have put some uh some prop on ivan barbashev over for the goal scoring at the beginning of the season, but it is not too late. If you want to place bets on Ivan Barbashev, St. Louis Blues, or literally anything your heart desires, Bet Online is the place to go. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts, and we'll be right back. All right, Tommy. So we've been talking a lot about, you know, the youth movement and younger players taking over for the St. Louis Blues. Um, and while that's great, you know, it's been super exciting. The kind of the flip side of that is it kind of has led to some of the older veterans getting 
phased out a little bit and taking a back seat um, and I guess underperforming uh, by certain metrics um, and, and, you know, calling into question like, dang, are these guys past their prime? Are they as valuable as they used to be? Whatever. Um, I don't think that was ever the case. I just think it was because the spotlight was shifted. Uh, but two of the probably most prevalent guys in that discussion were Ryan O'Reilly and Braden Shen. Ryan O'Reilly having, you know, all things considered a down year for him offensively. Uh, besides the last few games and Braden Shen, just not a consistent season so far. He'd missed a ton of time. Um, a lot of people were talking about, Oh, is that contract looking really poor or whatever? Um, but again, like I said, missed a lot of time, hadn't played consistent hockey this season. And then both of those guys say, Hey, you know, don't forget about us. We, we can still uh, produce some offense as well. Four points a piece, I think. Right. Or was, did Ro- O'Reilly have three? O'Reilly had three. Shen, okay, Shen and Barbashev had four. Shen had four points. Ryan O'Reilly had three points. And, you know, these last few games for Ryan O'Reilly look like he's kind of reignited that spark offensively. And then Braden Shen tonight looked like, you know, the the Braden Shen that we handed out that multi-year uh, contract to just a few seasons ago. Uh, if the Blues offense can produce this consistently, especially with production from Braden Shen and Ryan O'Reilly, I mean, I'm speechless. It, it, I can't even imagine what this offense will look like fully powered with those guys producing. I think another name that we should probably throw in there is David Perron too. But I think obviously after the season that he had last year, it's going to be a tough act to follow, right? Especially at his age. Uh, but he'll be the first one to tell you that he wants to play better and that uh, his numbers aren't where uh, he expects them to be. But I thought tonight was one of the best games that I've seen from him in a long time in terms of protecting the puck, uh, setting up teammates, uh, I'm at some point, I, even when he was on the power play, he was passing up shots that I think he normally takes. So maybe he's just, his confidence is down and he's snake bitten a little bit, but I think the more that he, uh, gets those opportunities, throws those pucks on net and, uh, feels good about setting up his teammates and the, and the games that he plays too. I think he'll, he's close to getting back to, uh, the David Perron that like we know is an offensive, uh, juggernaut and has the shot that can rain down the heavens. So I think like you're talking about all those things taken into consideration as, as well as this blues team has played so far this season through 40 games or whatever it is uh, with the emergence of Robert Thomas, with the emergence of Jordan Cairo, with the emergence of Billy. I think tonight was the best game I've seen from him period. Probably some of the saves that he was making were just absurd. Um, and was a main reason that the Blues stayed in it for so long, especially after that first period. But uh, at times in the second and third, too, I mean, like we were talking about, this Predators team was above us in the standings, I believe, and Soros is a stud in net. They've got some guys that are absolutely playing out of their mind. Yoshi's Blues one of them, up, having a great, having a great yeah. season. Um, so and Duchenne put up too. five goals apiece, two games in a row on two potential Vesna candidates yeah. in Campbell and Saros, which right. even though they lost the Toronto game, you know, you can have as many complaints about that as you want. Put up five goals against Campbell, who's an all-star, and five goals against Saros, who might be an all-star. I don't have the list in front of me. He is a Vesna um, candidate, though, for sure. Either way. Either way. You know, two of the best goalies in the league um looked filling like the net on them barely yeah. go barely goalies against the blues exactly so i think that i, I think Braden shen was talking about in the post game too uh this team's not going to have trouble offensively filling the net it's just at the end of the day 
they play their best games and they have the most success offensively when they're playing good defensively and putting in the work uh, all around to make all of that kind of combine. And the product that we saw tonight, uh, I think, was a combination of all of those things coming to fruition. Maybe not the first period because that was rough, but the second and third, absolutely, I think is Blues hockey and what you can expect from this team, what this team is capable of, and what this team uh, will do to you if you face off against them in a seven-game series. Yeah, I mean, even then, though, like, with that first period, I mean, the first goal, it's not even like Nashville was applying pressure. You know, Mikola blows a tire behind the net, and it's one of those things, you know, you make one mistake, uh, pocket ones up in the back of your net. And I think that we saw, you know, the Blues not get too down on their luck. Um, I mean, 14th comeback win of the season, you know, that says all that it needs to say. But um, two goals in the final three minutes of the first period, uh, that quick strike offense is so deadly. Um, and, you know, you look back at um, the, the cup run from 2019, and one of the biggest uh, factors in the Blues' success on offense was their quick, quick strike ability. Uh, they scored so much, you know, early in games, and then there were so many times as well where they strung, like, one, two, three goals together, you know, in really rapid pace. Um, and when you have the ability to do that as a hockey team, you can really just take momentum by the throat and, you know, put point in whatever direction you want. Because if you got a team that's applying a ton of pressure, a uh, perfect example is the Dallas game. Dallas applied pressure for 59 minutes and 15 seconds in that game. And then the Blues, you know, take two shifts where they, you know, flip the switch and flip it into high gear. And because they're so skilled offensively, it doesn't matter how much they've been outplayed. It doesn't matter how much, you know, how poor the period has gone or how poorly they've played defensively or how well the goalie has played. We've seen it that all it takes is a few minutes and the blues can, you know, take a game that they have no business being in and, you know, put themselves in the driver's seat. It's such a valuable asset in a team. And we've seen that time and time and time again this year. All right, Josh, we're getting near the end of the episode here, but yeah. I need your yeah. final thoughts for today, okay? So here's my question for you. The Blues don't play again until Friday. They play the Kraken, I believe. Oh, is it the Kraken? Wait, hold on. It's probably it's definitely start. a hockey team. Friday, January 21st. Yeah, the Kraken. Wow. Okay. I I was like I didn't think we played them again until April, but I guess we play them again in April. Um so the Blues don't play the Kraken until Friday, but obviously there's a lot of time in between them. If the Blues were to start a playoff, a seven-game playoff series tomorrow, maybe not tomorrow, the next day, so what would that be? Wednesday? Wednesday or Thursday? If the Blues were to start a seven-game playoff game series, let's say Thursday. Don't, don't ask me what you're about to ask me. Who, who are you starting in net? Oh my, you can't ask me that at the 27 <laughs> minute mark of start? the episode. That's so mean. Here do you start? In a playoff <sighs> okay. series. Okay. It's the elephant in the room. I said before the podcast, I didn't want to have this discussion on today's episode because I wanted no, to keep positive. No, we shouldn't actually. I just wanted to pose the I'm question. Gonna, we can talk about I'm it gonna, I'm going to give you the, the cop-out answer. Just say the name um, and I'll say my name and we'll talk about it. I can't time. say a name and here's why. <laughs> The Blues are one. no goalie. No, I don't. And I'm going to offensive end. juggernaut for days. That's the answer. I'm going to talk no my way out of this one. 16. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, use a loophole here. Um, Both just like when I picked the whole team as my lockdown player. No, okay. <laughs> the Blues have a very valuable situation right now. They have two goalies 
that can perform at a elite level, at least from what we've seen this season. One goalie has been more consistent than the other in Vili Huso. However, one goalie has started significantly less and has a much smaller sample size in Vili Huso. If I'm the St. Louis Blues and I'm Craig Berube and I'm looking at who to start in the playoffs, my answer, okay, playoffs start tomorrow? <sighs> I'm putting Vili Huso in game one. Tomorrow? Because On a back the year that this Okay, not to you know what? <laughs> shut, shut up. Thursday. Stop it. It's 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 one fifteen in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I'm just okay. 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 Yeah. Days rest. Okay, but <laughs> getting me all frazzled. The year that the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup, Braden Holpe began the playoff run on the bench and then went on to have a lights out performance. Brought Washington their first Stanley Cup. You know, slayed the dragon. Finally won the Stanley Cup. Whatever. So. It's not mutually exclusive. Vili Huso starts game one. He's your goalie you ride or die with. My point is, when you have two goalies that are playing as well as Jordan Bennington and Vili Huso, you can ride the hot hand. And I could absolutely foresee a scenario where we start to get a 1A, 1B situation, which is looking like Craig Ruby might have been alluding to. Um, and Vili Huso ends the season you know, on a four-game win streak two shutouts, whatever, ends the season on fire. Jordan Bennington has a stinker here and there. Uh, I could see Craig Berube, you know, turning to Billy Huso game one and saying, look, we don't have a starting goalie right now. We're riding the hot hand. Obviously, there's a lot more that goes into it. There's the psychological aspect, you know. Uh, We don't want to put Jordan Bennington on the bench and have him lose his confidence because I still think Jordan Bennington is capable of carrying this team to a Stanley Cup. He did it once. Um, He just hasn't reached that level consistently this season. Um it's just a matter of, you know, would that hurt his confidence too much? And if that's the case, you know, if, if Ruby determines that you can't really risk putting Jordan Binks on the bench or else it'll destroy his confidence and you'll, you have the potential to have zero competent goalies if Billy Huso falls back down to earth. But, you know, if the scenario exists where Jordan Binkson says, hey, I want what's best for this team. I'm not playing my best hockey right now. Billy is on fire. I could see the Blues starting Billy Huso in the playoffs. Absolutely. Um, but it's again, it is a purely a positive spin. I'm not saying Jordan Bennington sucks. Billy Hoosers our starter. There have been plenty of times where teams have rode a backup goalie to success for a little bit here and there. We saw, you know, with Jake Allen in the past, how he's looked like an absolute world beater at times in the backup role. Like I said, the Washington Capitals won a Stanley Cup by having their backup goalie start the first one or two games of the playoffs for them. It's not an impossible scenario. Um, and it is a great situation for the Blues to be in. That is my answer. It's a long-winded answer, but that's, that's my a good answer. answer. Um, if you've listened to this podcast and follow me on Twitter at all, you know that um, what I've seen over the last couple of years with Jordan Bennington, I think, is a direct uh, component of the Blues' lack of defense over those years and losing Jay Bowman. Oh, I will there. just say, sorry to cut you off. One last point. Um, I do think the team plays a lot more consistently defensively in front of Billy Huso than Jordan Bennington. Yeah, I agree. Which should not go unsaid. Yeah. Um, so they're obviously they didn't they had Joe Jay Bo Meester, don't have him anymore. They had Alex Petrangelo, don't have him anymore. Carl Gunnarsson, don't have him anymore. So uh, it's a steep drop off for the Blues defense over the last couple of years and a lot of guys in and a lot of guys out. So um I think there's a learning curve with that and I think like I said that Bennington's play is uh, a direct factor of that. That being said, 
there's definitely been some games that he hasn't been good enough and left in let in some soft goals. Um, and so for that reason, I'm with you. And I think if I had to start one goalie on Thursday <laughs> uh, for a seven game playoff series, hey, I'm, technically, I'm technically, it's technically it's uh, midnight. So tomorrow would be Wednesday. So it would not be a back to back. To go back to your to your previous point of saying that it would be a back to back, it would not because it's tomorrow now. Yeah, but yeah, I'd <laughs> I'd go with I'd go with Billy Huso just because, uh, like you talking about riding the hot hand. That's essentially how Jordan Bennington got his chance initially, right? I mean, he he came up, and uh, I mean, <laughs> Lord knows over the years with Jake Allen, we didn't really know what we were going to get half the time. So Jordan Bennington was on fire. And uh, the blue said, Hey, this guy's on fire. We're going to ride him until uh, the flame wears out. And it didn't really wear out <laughs> until after the Stanley Cups, after the Stanley Cup and after the Stanley Cup finals. Even if you, even if you think it's worn out completely or you don't think it's worn out uh, and it's just simmered down a little bit, uh, the fact that the main remains that for that season, 2019 season, and for that playoffs and for that game seven, uh, Jordan Bennington was absolutely a man on fire. So there's no reason. Oh, Villa- we haven't heard that one in a yeah, while. No, bringing it back. Spot. So there's no reason that Villa Huso can't be a man on fire. It's just a matter of giving him the opportunity. So it's not to say that Jordan Bennington yeah. is bad, that Jordan Bennington has lost his spot, that Jordan Bennington isn't capable of bringing this team to a Stanley Cup. Um, it's just we don't know whether Villa Huso is capable of doing that. So why not find out while he's playing his best hockey? yeah definitely um definitely dipping our toes in uh to the water uh on that discussion you know it is just the tip of the iceberg on probably a longer discussion that needs to be had about the goalie situation here again like i said it really just comes down to jordan Bennington's comfort level and his uh for lack of a better term his ego you know if he could put that aside and and say you know let's do what's best for the team it could work out wonderfully you know give him a little bit of a break give billy huso a chance to shine uh, give the team a fresh look, give opponents a, a, a guy in net in Billy Hooser that they don't really have a ton of scouting on. It, it, it It's a, such a good problem to have. Goaltending is the hardest position to get consistent play from in the NHL. And the Blues are fortunate enough to have two goalies that can play consistently well. You know, one has played a little bit more consistently well than the other, but both have been really good this season. Um, and we're going to continue to talk about that and more here on the Lockdown Blues podcast. But we are reaching the end of today's episode or we were reaching the end of today's episode. And then, you know, Tommy had to bring up that, uh, huge can of worms, uh, that we opened up. So, uh, yeah, if you want to hear that discussion, continue. Yeah. Well, you can't just, you can't just tease that. I gotta, gotta give my thoughts or else everyone's going to get mad at at us. Gotta bring it back for the next episode. Blues wants Jordan Bennington gone and whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely a conversation to be had in the future. And we will continue to talk about that as the season goes on, because it's looking like, they might be kind of trading starts back and forth uh, for at least the near future. So if you want to hear discussions about that, uh, Jordan Cairo, uh, Ivan Barbashev, and more, every player on the team we talk about pretty much, uh, make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button at Locked On Blues. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube as well. Hit that notification bell. That way, whenever we upload a video, you guys can be the first ones to watch it. Comment, leave a like, comment, uh, I already said comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. Look at that. Perfect. Uh, follow Tommy on Twitter at T Welcher 15. Thanks everybody so much for listening. And as always, let's go blues.